In the 10 days leading up to Thanksgiving, we saw three University of Virginia football players shot to death by another student. Then an LGBTQ nightclub in Colorado became the scene of unspeakable violence when a shooter killed five. And then a Walmart manager in Virginia used a gun to kill six and injure six others. On today's show, I try to make the case for nationalizing America's gun manufacturers. Maybe it's time to strip the profit motive out of the Second Amendment. If we can't get rid of guns, let's at least get rid of the profit motive. Let the government make the guns at cost. And no more marketing to teenagers or sexually frustrated young men. Get rid of the profit motive. You want to buy a gun? Then you buy it from the American government. This year, 50,000 Americans will die from gunshots. I bet we could lower that number by nationalizing the gun companies, stripping the profit motive out of the Second Amendment, and stop branding guns, stop selling guns, stop advertising guns, stop convincing young men that guns are synonymous with liberty, manhood, and revenge. The gun makers will disappear. They won't get rich, but fewer Americans might end up dead. I have some other ideas as well. It's time right now for the David Feldman Show. So get your ears on right and buckle in Welcome to the mop-up for November 25th, 2022. I'm David Feldman coming to you from an air shaft overlooking a parking garage somewhere in Manhattan where the temperature is 49 degrees and partly cloudy. Like I said, about 50,000 people died from guns last year. That's according to the CDC. This year, so far, there have been more than 600 mass shootings, almost two a day. That's according to the Gun Violence Archive, which defines a mass shooting as four or more people injured or killed, not including the gunman. And it's usually, if not always, a gunman. At what point, at what point does a mass shooting stop being a news story? At what point do we start categorizing anyone shot to death in America as dying from natural causes. It should be against the law to own a handgun. It should be against the law to own an assault weapon. People who, di who disagree with me, they are the radical extremists. I don't know how the argument flipped where the people who want to outlaw assault weapons are the radical extremists. People who disagree with me are irrational. People who don't believe all guns should be confiscated and that the people who refuse to turn over their guns should be arrested. People who disagree with me are children. I am the adult in the room. I am the moderate. I am the level-headed one. And why am I the lone voice here, at least in America? The rest of the developed world agrees with exactly what I'm saying. Not only do they agree with me, they put it into practice. They don't allow people to carry assault weapons, let alone guns. They know America is insane. If you disagree with me, 
you're insane. And here's the weird part about this whole argument. Most Americans agree with me. You wouldn't know it, but most Americans want nothing to do with guns or the people who own them. But because America is awash in 400 million guns, we have been led to believe by the gun manufacturers through their NRA shills that the genie is out of the bottle. You can't, you can't put it back in. 400 million guns, how do you take them off the streets? You take them off the streets the same way you get people to pay their taxes, the same way you fight drugs. You confiscate the weapons. You take them, if necessary, from their cold, dead hands. You say it can't be done. You say it would start a civil war. Then negotiate with me. Let's have a debate. But there has to be a reset in the gun debate. I want to establish the center. I want to dictate where the center is on the gun debate, not the NRA. The NRA doesn't get to, to decide where the center is. Most Americans don't own guns. Let me tell you where the center is. Most Americans don't own guns. According to Gallup, only 32% of Americans own a gun. That's where the center is. That number, 32% of Americans own a gun. Did you know that? And that number, surprisingly, used to be much higher. It's going down. In 1990, 46% of Americans owned a gun. 30 years later, it's down to 32%. One would think, one is led to believe from all the news reports you know, that every American, all we hear is that every American has decided to get a gun. You read that even somebody like me who is against guns on principle, you read that somebody like me would feel the need to get a gun because everyone else is getting one. That's what we're led to believe. The opposite is true. More guns are being sold, but to fewer and fewer people. 32% of Americans own a gun. Most Americans, it turns out, they don't tell you this, but most Americans see the gun violence and say, I don't want any part of this. Most Americans know gun ownership is not just stupid, not just fatal, but immoral as well. Bad for the country. There are 20 million AR-15s that have been sold. And we're told the genie's out, out of the bottle. How, what do you do? 20 million AR-15s. We're told that AR-15s are more popular than ever. Now, that doesn't mean they want you to think that everyone's buying AR-15s. If there are 20 million AR-15s in circulation, out of 350 million Americans, what percentage of Americans actually own an AR-15? Most people who are into guns have collections. They hoard guns. You don't just have one. And because we don't keep tabs on gun purchases here in America, it's impossible to know exactly how many people, what percentage of Americans own an AR-15. But I can assure you, 
Not many. Not many. Now, 20 million AR-15s circulating in this country. Uh, I'll be generous here and say that means 20 million Americans own an AR-15, but it's not even close to that. But let's just say that. Let's, that, that would, let's just say 20 million Americans own an AR-15. Uh, what is that? A little, about, what is that, about 5% of our country? And, and I'm guessing that it's much, much less than 5%. But let's just say 5% of this country has an AR-15. How did it become impossible to outlaw AR-15s when only 5% of the American people own one? When did 5% of the American people suddenly become the majority? Americans have lost their taste for guns. I want a reset in the gun debate, and I want to establish where the center is in this debate. We have gone from 46% to 32% of Americans owning guns in 30 years, and yet we're told America is awash with guns. We have a love affair, we are told, with guns. We don't. Americans have a love affair with other men and women. The people who are incapable of loving a man or a woman, they're the ones who are having the love affair with guns instead. And we should not be bending our laws to please these incredibly sick and depraved men. The truth is only a handful of men are buying up all these guns. Oh yeah, women too. That's, that's the new thing we keep reading about. Women are becoming gun enthusiasts, we're told. No, some women are buying guns to protect themselves from old boyfriends who won't stop calling them to talk about their guns. We, as a people, do not like guns. And the more we read about these gun killings, the less we like them, the less we want to be around guns. 68% of Americans right now don't want a gun anywhere near them. 68% of Americans do not own a gun. Despite all this talk about rising crime, 68% of Americans, when they feel threatened, would rather call the police. 68% of Americans know that crime and murder are still at the lowest they've been in 40 years. Most Americans don't walk around feeling threatened. What is it about the 32% of Americans who feel so threatened that they need a gun? Crime and murder has dropped precipitously in the past 30 years. That's why fewer Americans own guns today than they did 40 years ago, 30 years ago. In this gun debate, most Americans agree with me. They don't know it, but they agree with me. Most Americans are radical extremists like me who would like to outlaw all assault weapons and all guns because practically no American owns an assault weapon and only 32% own a gun. Gun enthusiasts, uh, 
They repeat the lie that outlawing guns won't lead to fewer shootings. Yes, they will. Now, I know I'm going to get emails in all caps stating axiomatically that I'm wrong. I traffic in facts, okay? Texas has very loose gun laws, right? New York, on the other hand, has very strict gun laws. Texas, New York, same percentage of a-holes, same percentage of angry pricks who are prone to violence. New Yorkers, Texans, right? Texas and New York, they both have the same number of insufferable, angry douchebags. But in New York, where the gun laws are strict, the homicide rate is 4.7 per 100,000 people. 4.7 New Yorkers out of every 100,000 will be murdered each year. In Texas, where there are pretty much no gun laws, that number is 7.6 per 100,000. Do the math. Texas has a homicide rate 50% higher than New York's. In Texas, 14.2 out of every 100,000 people will be injured or killed by a gun. In New York, 5.3 out of every 100,000 New Yorkers will be injured or killed by a gun. Texas, and this is according to the CDC, Texas has a 150% higher rate of gun deaths and injuries than New York does. Why? Because gun laws save lives. Arizona. Arizona, which has some of the laxest gun laws in America, in Arizona, 16.7 out of every 100,000 residents will be injured or killed by a gun. In California, where gun control laws are among the strictest, the number of residents injured or killed by a gun is more than half that. I'm sorry, is uh, less than half that of Arizona's, right? Arizona has double the number of uh, people who are uh, injured or killed by guns. Because where there are guns, there are shootings, injuries, and death. New York gun laws work. Texas and Arizona's do not. California's gun laws work. Texas and Arizona's do not. California and New York, they have just as many farms, just as many rural areas to justify owning shotguns as Texas and Arizona have. Same identical traditions of hunting and living off the land. But New York and California gun laws work. Texas and Arizona gun laws don't work. And yet, we're convinced that when it comes to federal legislation on guns, Arizona and Texas are winning the debate. Why? How? When did we allow America's D students to write all the laws? I have a lot of listeners in Arizona and Texas, and they would be the first to agree that when it comes to learning from history and writing laws accordingly, 
Texas and Arizona lawmakers are D students. So you want to have a debate about guns in this country? I do. The NRA doesn't. Gun owners don't. I want to have a debate. Let's have this debate. If Texas and Arizona have gone to the extreme of zero gun registration, no permits, no background checks, if they have gone to the extreme of little to no law regarding open and concealed carry, then my argument is outlaw all the guns. And that is no more extreme than their argument. No more extreme. My wanting to round up every gun and arrest anyone who refuses to surrender their weapon is not any more radically extreme than what the NRA is not just advocating, but actually getting. Let's be clear here. Most Americans want what I want, but they have been worn down to believe it's impossible to outlaw guns. They've been worn down to believe it's impossible to outlaw guns because we're told prohibition, the drug war, it's impossible to outlaw liquor. You can't outlaw tobacco or marijuana. It doesn't work. Uh, that's not really true. Here's the difference. Uh, liquor, tobacco, marijuana, they have not been outlawed, but they are taxed and heavily regulated. The government very much so controls the sale of liquor, tobacco, and marijuana. And you can make that shit in your backyard. It's hard to make a gun. You can, you can grow tobacco and marijuana. You can have a still in your backyard. Uh, and yet the government does a pretty good job taxing and regulating tobacco, marijuana, and alcohol. If it can be done with those vices, it can be done with guns. They can regulate, tax, and when necessary, outlaw guns. Marijuana, by the way, and liquor have some medicinal qualities, so it would be morally wrong to outlaw them, Guns have zero redeeming factors. Guns have zero redeeming factors. If a bear or a mountain lion comes after you while you're jogging, fire a taser. You don't need a gun. I say outlaw them. Let's have a debate. That's my position. Now that I have established a center, we can negotiate. Now we can have a center. I want you outlaw all guns. The NRA wants everyone to carry a gun. So we have a center. Zero tolerance of guns versus universal ownership. We now have a place in the middle. But when it comes to guns in America, it's only the radical extremists who control the debate. It's the radical extremists from the NRA and the gun manufacturers who establish where the center is. The NRA, the gun manufacturers, they present as real America, but they are not real America. It is radical. It is extreme to insist with a straight face the solution to school shooting is arming kindergarten teachers. So it's time to reset the gun debate. 
if the NRA thinks everyone should own an assault weapon, and they do believe that, then we must reset this debate and our side must call for the complete elimination of all assault weapons and guns. There's how you get to the center. That's the debate. Here is my opening offer in these negotiations. Okay, the NRA, I'm negotiating with the NRA. You think everybody should carry a gun? My opening position is go door to door and round up all the guns. And anyone who refuses to surrender their guns to the government, we either arrest them or, if necessary, take those guns from their cold, dead hands. Let's negotiate. Where are the abolitionists in the Democratic Party? It's okay for the Republicans to have crazed gun nuts who literally facilitate mass slaughter. Crazed gun nuts like Texas Congressman Chip Roy, who said repeatedly this year on the House floor that the Second Amendment has an insurrection clause that our founding fathers wrote into the Second Amendment, an insurrection clause, because they wanted us to have guns to take arms against the government when we, the people, found it tyrannical. That is crazy. That is way crazier than my opening salvo in the gun debate, which is merely get rid of all guns. But somehow, somehow, Chip Roy is a constitutional scholar and people who advocate for the complete elimination of guns, they're crazy. They're extremists. In order to solve gun violence in America, you cannot negotiate with somebody like Chip Roy. You can't negotiate with Wayne LaPierre from the NRA. You don't negotiate with extremists. You have to offer up something equally extreme something that's equal in, 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 in being extreme in order to scare them into submission. All they understand is power and fear. They will not compromise on guns because Democrats start the negotiation already willing to compromise. I'm not the unreasonable one. I'm not the child. It is unreasonable and childlike to think you can placate the far right when it comes to guns. All they understand is fear and power. You don't start the conversation on guns with them by offering to meet them halfway. Meeting them halfway where they are now with gun ownership, it's standing on the abyss and looking into pure darkness. We need to pull them towards us. And you do that by making the argument to the American people that it's time to eliminate all guns, to join the developed world and get guns out of the hands of our citizens. With 50,000 dead from guns each year, it's a pretty easy argument to make to the American people, and yet nobody is making it. There are Democrats listening right now thinking, I'm the unreasonable one. I'm the crackpot. I'm the one nobody should take seriously. It is time for a reset. It is time to say, get rid of all guns. Make the case for arresting anyone who refuses to give up their guns. Make that case. 
that case is sane, pragmatic, and that is the level-headed, adult-in-the-room approach to ending America's epidemic of gun violence. The NRA is powerful because they're uncompromising. The people supposedly standing up to the NRA are spineless, are compromised. Michael Bloomberg, big gun control advocate, gun control, not a gun abolitionist, a gun control advocate. He set up every town USA. Failure. Gabby Giffords has her gun control policy center. There's the Brady Center. All these gun control organizations are pushing what they call reasonable and sensible gun control laws. There is nothing reasonable and sensible about guns and people, American citizens, owning guns. And they convince themselves by saying, we're just offering reasonable and sensible gun control laws. They, they, they convince themselves and others that that's how you get the NRA to compromise, by being fair and reasonable with monsters. The NRA is comprised of murderous, soulless monsters. They see your attempts to be sensible and reasonable as, as weakness. They laugh. So Everytown USA, Michael Bloomberg's bullshit operation, Gabby Giffords, the Brady Center, they want gun control. Ooh, that's scary. That really makes the gun manufacturers shiver. Gun control instead of gun elimination. They call for background checks or safe storage of guns or, you know, gun registration. But what they don't call for is the total elimination of all guns. Sensible and reasonable is demanding that we get rid of all guns because you cannot be sensible and reasonable with the NRA. You need to scare the gun manufacturers. You need the gun manufacturers right now terrified of being taxed out of existence. You need mutual funds, banks, and hedge funds no longer investing in gun manufacturers. Teachers have pension funds. Police officers have pension funds. And those pension funds are among the largest in institutional investors in the world. Why are they allowing their pensions to invest in gun manufacturers? Why would teachers and cops invest in the companies that are killing them? It makes absolutely no sense. Now, I've been saying this all year. Of course, nobody listens. I've been calling for Joe Biden to scare the hell out of the gun manufacturers through executive order. He could today issue an executive order as commander in chief saying the Pentagon will no longer purchase assault weapons from any gun manufacturer that sells their weapons to American consumers. It's called debarment. Uh, the government contracts, which are, you know, the government is what, one third of our economy? Government contracts aren't a right, they're a privilege. And we debar, our federal government debars hundreds of corporations each year for not living up to federal laws and standards. And we give those contracts instead 
to corporations that do. So debar the assault weapons manufacturers. You say to them, make a choice. You can sell to the Pentagon, to the military, or you can sell to the American consumer. Can't do both. That's going to scare the gun manufacturers. That's how you have a debate about guns in the country. That's how you establish the center where, 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 where you debate. That's how you uh, make the gun manufacturers pay. You don't ask them to comply. You threaten their very existence. Letitia James, state attorney general of New York, is threatening the very existence of the National Rifle Association. She's putting them on trial. The NRA is a front for the gun manufacturers. The gun manufacturers have one motive, one motive to sell more guns. When they hear that only 32% of Americans own guns, the first thing they think is, well, there's an untapped market. Let's go after the 68% who don't own guns. This is capitalism. Sell more guns because profits, profits, profits. You cannot negotiate with a corporation like Wayne LaPierre. A corporation is not a human being. A gun manufacturer has a fiduciary responsibility. So the manufacturer thinks, a gun manufacturer thinks that it has a fiduciary responsibility to get more assault weapons, more guns into the hands of more Americans. That's why gun laws don't work. Primarily, you know, they work in New York, they work in California, but on a federal level, they don't work because there are too many loopholes. If you want to do something about the 50,000 Americans who will die this year and next year from guns, start calling for the abolition of guns. We need politicians, a few governors and mayors, members of Congress calling for the complete elimination of guns. Why? I'm going to keep repeating this because that's how you get real gun control laws in America. You scare the NRA and the gun manufacturers. They will respect an existential threat to their own existence. That's how you force them to compromise. We establish the center, not them. You must meet their extremism with an equal measure of extremism from the other side. How does Joe Biden or any Democrat sound like an adult, think they're sounding like an adult, when they assure voters, like in Pennsylvania, I don't want to take away your guns? Why, why not take away their guns? Guns don't keep you safe. That's why only 32% of Americans have a gun. Most Americans know that statistically, people who own guns are more likely to die from a gun than those who don't own a gun. How is it good politics to say, I don't want to take away your guns? when a vast preponderance of Americans don't own any guns to have taken away. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if there's any negotiation to be had on guns, 
We need radical extremists like me calling for the elimination of all guns to define the middle. Where are those abolitionists? Do they even exist? I know there are people who agree with me, but they think it's impossible to abolish guns. We're not going to abolish guns, but we need the, the fervor. We need people who really, I really do want to abolish guns. I know we're not going to do that, but if enough people really want to abolish guns, then you have a movement to rein in the gun manufacturers. That's how you get meaningful gun control. Uh, and by the way, it's not impossible to uh, get rid of all the guns. Just because it seems impossible doesn't mean you shouldn't fight for it. And, and that doesn't mean it isn't possible. You know, the gun nuts, 10 years ago, it was impossible to get a state to legalize open carry. Suddenly, now it's impossible to make open carry against the law. Things change very quickly. It's okay to be an extremist, Democrats. Barry Goldwater, the Republican, in 1964 ran for president and lost by a landslide. He famously said, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice, and moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. That is what the Republican Party swears by. Extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice, and moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. We are up against extremists. The crackpots on the right not only don't believe in moderation, they see moderation as a weakness. If we're going to find a happy medium with these nut jobs, we need some extreme abolitionists on our side who believe moderation is no virtue, who believe moderation is a vice, is weakness. If we don't establish a beachhead after what's been going on the past 10 days with these shootings, if we don't declare where the middle is, in a month or two, the NRA's opening offer in the gun debate will be injecting airplane liquor bottle-sized AR-15s into the womb so every baby is born carrying one. That sounds insane at first, right? It sounds a little insane, injecting airplane liquor bottle-sized AR-15s into the womb so every baby is born carrying an AR-15. That sounds insane at first. But so did arming kindergarten teachers after Sandy Hook. I remember that 10 years ago, hearing Wayne LaPierre saying, you know, if those kindergarten teachers were only carrying AR-15s, this wouldn't have happened. And I went, oh, well, that's, that, he's done. And now that's become the, the policy. The Republican, some, you know, if you ask Republicans, what's your policy on guns? Kindergarten teachers should carry AR-15s. So if the right, the far right keeps moving further and further to the right, especially when it comes to guns, we cannot allow the center to move with them. We need people like me 
to demand the total elimination of guns in this country. Just to be clear, I do believe in eliminating all guns from this country, partly as a negotiating ploy, but I do believe no guns is better than some guns. I do believe guns are wrong, morally wrong, and it can be done. Last month, Canada banned the sale of handguns. Did that get any coverage here in the States? Canada banned the sale of handguns. Nobody carries a gun in, uh, in England, even the police. The police do not carry guns, except in London because of terrorism. But uh, the police do not carry guns. Only 5% of the entire police force in Great Britain carries a firearm. The people do not want their police carrying firearms. Instead, the police use batons, mace, tasers. That's better. Yes, the British die from an occasional knife attack, but police rarely stab unknived black men. You don't have somebody stabbing up a school, a mass stabbing while possible. They do happen, but a mass stabbing is a lot easier to, st to stop than a mass shooting. It's easier to subdue someone brandishing a knife than it is someone holding an AR-15. So get rid of the guns. Why is it that the people here in America who sell these guns, who profit off the slaughter of children, how come they're not the ones being called radical extremists? But someone calling for getting these guns off the street, they're the crackpot. Why? Why? Because the debate is framed by the gun manufacturers, because there's money to be made in the sale of guns. The almighty dollar rules here in America. There's no money to be made by forbidding the sale of something. Great, you know, nobody brings up the money you would save on emergency room visits by outlawing guns. No, uh, the people who make money off a product, no matter how lethal, they frame the debate. A majority of Americans, like I keep saying, don't own guns. They want an assault weapons ban, and they believe gun violence is a serious problem that must be dealt with. So in June of this year, Joe Biden signed into law the first major piece of gun control legislation in decades. In decades. It was bipartisan because it was only cosmetic. It was called the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. They weren't even allowed to put the word guns in the title of the bill. That's how toothless the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act is. Now, the, 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 the last real gun bill that was passed was in 94. It was called the Assault Weapons Ban. You know exactly what that bill's about, banning assault weapons. That's how the people who passed the bill referred to it. It wasn't bipartisan. It was the Assault Weapons Ban because the idea of the bill was to ban assault weapons, period. So they called it what it was. They banned assault weapons for 10 years. They put a sunset clause on it, and George W. Bush in 2004 and the Republicans 
didn't renew the assault weapons ban. And the past 10 days uh, are the, the fruit. Uh, this year, they passed this Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. And uh, both sides ran a bipartisan victory lap after this toothless gun bill was passed. Uh, it did essentially nothing. It expanded background checks on gun purchases made by anyone under the age of 21. Hey, how about no gun purchases made by anyone under the age of 21, since most of these mass shootings are committed by men 21 years old or younger. They tightened the boyfriend loophole, and there are some red flag laws that allow judges to confiscate guns from people deemed mentally ill. Hey, you own an AR-15, you're mentally ill. How about that? How about you don't need to go before a judge? You go in to buy an AR-15, that's a red flag right there. Why are we wasting time and money with these toothless laws? But Washington had to do something. And at the time, they could do something because the NRA was scared and their arguments rang hollow. And everyone knows that. Everyone knows that the NRA is wrong. After Uvalde, there was no longer even the appearance of a legitimate argument for assault weapons. You know, the NRA was maintaining the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. But we saw in Uvalde, we saw several hundred good guys with guns unwilling to stop one lone gunman with an assault weapon. The statistics bear this out. The statistics show that good guys with a gun never, ever, ever stop a bad guy with a gun. At best, they occasionally, a good guy can occasionally stop a bad guy with a gun from killing too many people. So occasionally, a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun from killing, you know, 10 people instead of seven. For example, you know, the shooter in Colorado last Saturday was subdued by a good guy without a gun. He was a good guy, but five people died. And had he been a good guy with a gun in a dark nightclub, the good guy with a gun would have become another bad guy with a gun. Because when you fire at someone, especially in the dark, you miss. And when the police show up, they don't know who the bad guy is and they don't know who the good guy is. They just see two bad guys with guns. If you read about the shooting in Colorado, you would know that the police detained several good guys after the shooting. Uh, they didn't have guns, but the, the police arrested them anyway, because in the fog of war, they can't figure out, they need time to figure out who the bad people are and who the good people are. It's insanity to think someone with a gun will stop a bad guy with a gun. Study after study show that police train marksmen in high-pressure situations, including soldiers in war, fire wildly 
and miss their targets. There's no such thing as a good guy with a gun. Cops miss all the time and hit the wrong person all the time. Get these guns out of the hands of Americans. All of them. Get rid of all the guns. Now, I don't believe we can get rid of all the guns, but that's my opening position. We can't get rid of all the guns because this is a country that no longer knows right from wrong, period. And that's ultimately what we're up against. The reason the NRA is so successful on the gun debate is because Americans no longer know right from wrong. In America, if you were to tear away the false patriotism and the phony religious claptrap, you would see a nation that has been stripped of its morality by the weapons manufacturers. Americans do not have a clue as to what constitutes right and wrong because we are in a state of permanent war. The trick played on Americans is convincing us that we're a simple people who refuse to see gray areas, like when we go to war or capital punishment or we lock someone up. We are told there is right and there is wrong. We are told that this is a nation that doesn't believe in moral relativism. We are convinced that everything is black and white, good versus evil. But in practice, it's the complete opposite. In practice, if you're Donald Trump it's or George Bush or Dick Cheney, it's nothing but gray areas. But here's the thing about right versus wrong. When it comes to guns, there is right and there is wrong. If you're looking for good versus evil, rarely do you find something as pure as guns. Guns are evil. Guns are wrong. No gray area here. Guns are wrong. And I know that there are Americans addicted to video games. I know there are Americans who stockpile weapons and go to the shooting range, and they have been pacified into believing gun ownership is part of America's character. If you think America's character was shaped by guns, you have no character, and you have no grasp of American history. Guns are a moral abomination. Let's start with what would you tell your kids? Would you tell them guns are good? Uh, any civilized society has parents and teachers who tell kids that guns are wrong, period. Don't touch a gun. If you walk into a room where there is a gun, run away. Because guns are a moral abomination. From a strictly moral standpoint, from the teachings in anyone's good book, guns are a moral abomination. Because violence, in all its manifestations, 
is wrong and instruments of violence are wrong. Doesn't matter whose Bible or holy book you're reading, violence and the instruments of violence are sinful. In your good book, you might read about God's vengeance or you might read about a people's vengeance, taking it out on another people. But there is not a single holy book that preaches or condones ordinary citizens being violent towards other citizens. There is not a single holy book that preaches conflict resolution through violence, through weapons of death, through guns, because Taking the law into one's own hands and committing acts of vengeance violates God's authority. Vengeance is mine, says God. It's sometimes the states, but never the individuals. So to wrap uh, the flag or religion around guns is a complete bastardization of civilization. The purpose of religion, the purpose of all these holy books is to calm the citizenry down, to keep them calm, to make them subservient to God and the state. True believers must surrender all their violent impulses to the state. It is the state not the individual who decides how to mete out violence. Capital punishment, eye for an eye, is an Old Testament notion where violence and revenge is meted out by the state, by the judges or kings or high priests, not by individuals. Vigilante justice is immoral in every holy book, Taking the law into your own hands with a gun is a moral abomination. Jesus did not preach self-defense. He preached turning the other cheek. Walk away from violence. Walk away from seeking revenge. If someone robs you with a gun, whipping out your gun means you're going to get robbed of your life as well. If someone is trying to steal your car, it's not worth trying to kill them. That's why every civilized country in the world, except America, doesn't allow its citizens to walk around with guns. Any guns, not just assault rifles, any guns. You're not allowed to walk around with guns in any developed civilized nation other than America. Because it is received wisdom that owning guns, taking the law into your own hands, is immoral because it's dangerous and stupid, period. There's no arguing this. In America, we allow people to carry guns. And that's why 50,000 of us each year die from bullets. How does this happen? A country that spends more on weapons than practically the entire world combined, a country like America that sells more weapons overseas than practically the entire world combined, 
This country must twist its people's morality into knots so that right is wrong and wrong is right. Because we are a nation in a permanent state of war in the service of the military industrial complex, in the service of the arms manufacturers. We are a nation in a permanent state of war, sacrificing either our own soldiers or our way of life or both to keep these wars going. In order to keep these wars going, the military industrial complex, the war makers, the war profiteers must reprogram the American people into believing war is a constant in nature, but also a necessity because there is evil in this world and that weapons like guns, when being used to protect the good from the evil, they're moral, they're righteous. Weapons, guns used to protect the good from the bad are righteous. They've twisted our religious teachings. We are now a nation that believes in war. We believe in war. Joe Biden spent Thanksgiving this year in the same home he spent Thanksgiving last year, in the home of war profiteer David Rubenstein. He is the founder of the Carlyle Group, perhaps the largest war profiteer in the world. Joe Biden's Secretary of State, you know, the guy who's supposed to negotiate peace. Anthony Blinken is a former weapons lobbyist, which is why he has spent all year running around the world raising money for weapons to fight Putin instead of shuttle diplomacy with Putin. America worships war. We have been trained to believe war and violence is necessary and pure and just. Watch our movies, play our video games. We are trained to stand up for ourselves with an unspeakable arms buildup, even though nobody's threatening us. We don't have an enemy. But that doesn't mean we're going to get pushed around. We have twisted the scriptures. We have bended our own morality to justify the trillions we spend on instruments of death each year. And because our government stockpiles and sells these instruments of death all over the world, the people paying for it, Americans, have been tricked into believing that they too have a moral obligation to stockpile their own weapons. Because if war is a constant in nature, then so is all violence. And the gun manufacturers have tricked individual Americans into believing they are morally obligated to own weapons to protect ourselves and our family from these imaginary enemies. We have imaginary enemies overseas to justify the trillions we spend on weapons, and now we have imaginary enemies here in the United States, right? That every night we keep hearing about uh, another uh, murder or somebody pushed into the subway, even though the murder rate hasn't really gone up. But 
we're convinced we have enemies and we must protect ourselves. We are tricked into believing we are morally obligated not to be intimidated or pushed around or bullied. The weapon makers have twisted right and wrong and the byproduct of the government's arms buildup is this segment of our population, about 32%, who believe they need to stockpile their own weapons because they have been tricked into believing that the government has too much weaponry at its disposal, right? So we have these individual Americans like Congressman Chip Roy who have come to think they need weapons because the government has too many weapons and is becoming tyrannical. It's a, this is what the Republican Party is made up of. Gun nuts who think because the government is so heavily armed, the people should be heavily armed to be some kind of counterweight to domestic tyranny. It's bullshit. The government will beat any militia, but that's not why they're sold these ideas. They're being sold the idea of buying weapons in the service of gun manufacturers. And the people who buy these guns buy the bullshit that they can protect themselves from a tyrannical government. This is what Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy, is talking about all the time. He believes in the insurrection clause of the Second Amendment. It's bullshit, but it sells weapons. People make money off that bullshit. This is what happens when Americans are marketed to by weapons makers. That is how the NRA and the weapons manufacturers market weapons to these unsuspecting American morons. They got a great system going here in America. First, you load the police and the military and your government with more firepower the world has ever seen. All right, that's your first customer, the American government. But markets have to expand. You need to sell more weapons, right? So now you market to the individual taxpayer and you say, hey, look at your government. Look how heavily armed your police are. Look how heavily armed your, your government's military is. Don't you want to be protected from your government? Here, buy some of our, we'll, say, we'll sell you the same weapons we sell the military so you can protect yourself from the government. And these idiots buy military-grade weapons thinking they have a chance against the government. What the arms manufacturers have succeeded in doing is creating in America the same arms buildup that went on between the Soviet Union and the United States during the Cold War without the nuclear weapons. Uh, but th there is just uh, mutual assured destruction. Now, the police are afraid of these militias. You sell weapons to the police. If the police have assault weapons, then the American people uh, need an assault weapon to protect themselves from the police. So they get assault Weapons, And then the police see these people carrying assault weapons. So the police think, well, we need better and more assault weapons. And it's just this arms buildup just keeps going and going and going. 
and America is flooded with more and more weapons. And uh, ordinary Americans, you would think, uh, you would think somebody like me, who would never dream of looking at a gun, let alone owning one, uh, you would think somebody like me would go, I got to get a gun. You know, everybody's got a gun. I better get one. And yet the American people, God bless them, are better than that. 32%, only 32% of Americans own a gun. 68% of Americans don't buy this bullshit. 32% of Americans fall for this marketing hysteria. And the nutcases, they stockpile their weapons, convince the government is coming for their guns. So you better buy more. And it goes on and on until we have two mass shootings a day. Soon it'll be three a day. And nobody knows what to do because we no longer know right from wrong. They tell us we don't know what the truth is, right? That's, you know, fake news. The real problem is Americans don't know right from wrong. When did we forget that guns are wrong? When did we forget that a moral and just society doesn't allow individual citizens to mete out justice? We forgot that a moral and just society keeps instruments of death out of the hands of amateurs, out of the hands of lunatics, out of the hands of angry, frightened people, out of the hands of citizens. We have been brainwashed into forgetting that where there are no gun laws, Americans die. In the name of mammon, in the name of prophets, we have been trained to forget that owning guns goes against the teachings of every religion. Every religion deprives individuals the power to mete out death. God decides who lives, who dies. The state, in the name of God, decides who lives and who dies. Not your neighbor, Carl. Carl doesn't get to stand his ground or protect his castle by shooting someone who he has decided looks menacing. 32% of our country owns a gun. And, uh, and of those, only a handful of the people who own guns uh, don't want gun control. Most people who own guns want gun control. And yet it's the crazies who dictate the gun laws in this country. It's the crazies. George Zimmerman taking it upon himself to freelance, to patrol the streets of Florida with a gun. When did it become okay for somebody like George Zimmerman to stop Trayvon Martin with a gun and ask him what he's up to? That's, uh, I believe that's impersonating a police officer. I thought that was a crime. Even the police officer shouldn't be asking Trayvon Martin what he's up to without probable cause. How is it possible that George Zimmerman gets to self-deputize and patrol the streets, which is what he did, and he just got to be his own racist vigilante. Who appointed him? 
In what world does George Zimmerman get to pull a gun out, get into an altercation with Trayvon Martin, and out of fear that Trayvon Martin was going to take the gun from him and then shoot him, George Zimmerman fires his gun in self-defense, kills Trayvon Martin, and then calls it standing his ground, and he's acquitted. In what world does George Zimmerman get acquitted? How is that not a life sentence? In what world other than America can someone like Kyle Rittenhouse brandish an AR-15 in Kenosha and decide because he's white, he's on the side of the police, and he's going to self-deputize and protect the city from BLM protesters. And when he ends up killing two people, when Kyle Rittenhouse, like George Zimmerman, impersonates a cop, and then when someone tries to take their gun away, they panic and fire it and kill someone. In any other country, George Zimmerman, Kyle Rittenhouse would be put away for life. Instead, they're celebrated as freelance cops who self-deputize. They took their weapons and decided with no training, no license, no authority to brandish their weapons and patrol the streets. What country other than America would not only acquit these two doughy, impotent subhumans, but turn them in to folk heroes? They are folk heroes. Why? Why are they folk heroes? Because it's about guns. It's about selling and marketing guns. Gun makers need to earn more profits each year. If there are 400,000 guns circulating in this country, they need to double that. If there are 20 million AR-15s in America, they need to double that because we are talking about corporations and they must show growth. There is no way in a capitalist society such as ours that a gun manufacturer is ever going to say 400,000 guns? That's enough. Would you expect a car manufacturer to say there are enough cars in America? Would you expect a coat manufacturer to say, wow, everyone in America has at least three coats. We should stop making coats. No, more. It's more, 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 more guns. Get more guns out on the streets. Profits. Guns aren't about freedom. They're about profits. Guns make us less free. Those football players in Virginia, the members of the LGBTQ community in Colorado, those employees at Walmart are less free today. Their families are less free today because of guns. So I said at the beginning of the show that I would offer up a solution. If guns are about freedom, then make them free. Give every American a gun for free and get the money out of gun manufacturing. See where that takes the gun debate. If guns are necessary, then let the government make them. Let's see where the conversation goes. When the government is giving you guns, what's the conversation then? Here, take guns. You know, you're worried about our tyranny? Here's some guns. Take them. They're free, and nobody is getting rich of selling you this gun. 
nationalize the gun companies and give everyone free guns. Anyone who wants a gun can have one for free. What, what happens to the gun conversation when the profit motive is eliminated? When the profit motive is eliminated, there's no more marketing, no more advertising, no more emotional triggers. What would the gun conversation be if the government wasn't taking away your guns, but giving you guns, and there were no profits to be had, I think we wouldn't be tricked into th believing that guns make us more masculine, that guns are patriotic, that guns let us decide who should be punished and who should be spared. That's our show for today. Thank you. The long shows are coming back. I've explained repeatedly why we're not doing long shows. I'm having internet issues, so uh, I can't do interviews. So, uh, But we will bring back the long shows either next week or the week after that. If you like this show, please subscribe to this channel. Please hit the like button. Subscribe to my newsletter. We're still doing office hours every Friday night at 8 p.m. And I'm there via phone. I make myself available to any listener who wants to talk to me from 8 till about 9.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday night. If you'd like to attend office hours, Subscribe to my newsletter. It includes a link to office hours. We do it on Zoom. You need Zoom. Or go to my website, hit the office hours menu, and you will see the link. Uh, and it'll take you right in. Happy, uh, well, Thanksgiving is over. Uh, I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. No, we're not doing it there. Did we do it? Can I do it? No. Hang on. No. I thought I could do it. I thought I was going to have a nice ending to this. Try it one more time. I'm David Feldman. Uh, I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. It's time right now for the David Feldman Show. So get your ears on right and buckle in.